Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, once again, we are in part three of an incredible series that we're simply calling The Blank That Stole Christmas. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the stuff you know, the items that we accumulate, the money that we gain, the, the efforts that we take, the stuff that we pile up that we really don't really even need, oftentimes it blocks away what God's wanting to do. Last week we talked about the facade. We try to be what everybody else expects us to be and we put this false front and really God's saying, let me begin to work on your heart. Today, I want to look at another area that tends to derail us, not only during the Christmas season, but if we're honest, it derails us in a lot of life. Yeah, we watch the Hallmark movies. We see the pretty little picture of the perfect little Christmas, the tree decorated just how it needs to be. There's no troubles with it, no problems with it. We have an issue at our house a little bit. I've got a a crazy cat. Her name's Penny. Penny Penny thinks she's really little, but Penny's really not very little. And the other day I looked up and she's about eye level in the tree. And I've got a 10-foot tree, so I thought, how do I get the cat out of the tree without having a Chevy Chase Christmas vacation moment with a squirrel? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying... But we look at all of these ads for Christmas, and everything seems perfect. But for us, oftentimes chaos sets in. Today, I want to look at the chaos that stole Christmas. The word chaos, by definition, is a state of disorder or confusion. A state of disorder or confusion. How many of you would readily agree with me today that chaos runs freely during this most wonderful time of the year? Absolutely. We've got one Christmas party followed by another Christmas party, each wanting us to bring a 10 to $15 gift that truthfully we don't want. We would rather take our own gift. Come on. The other night I was at one of those And I was number like 23 out of 25, and we're getting close to the end, and the gift that I brought was still up there. And I looked at my wife, and I said, can I just steal mine and take it home? She says, no. So, but we have this going on, and then we get the text and the emails from every department store out there telling us about the latest, greatest sale that we just can't seem to pass up. Cars are piling up in the parking lots. Aisles are longer than ever before. People rushing the aisles just to purchase that last-minute Christmas gift. Chaos runs rampant. And it appears that stress has taken over, and many times the true meaning of Christmas has been hijacked. I want to take a look this morning at the Christmas story. In fact, I'm going to read the complete Christmas story to you. By the way, if you don't read the Christmas story on Christmas morning or maybe even Christmas Eve, I would encourage you to do that. Now, I'm not talking about 
the one that talks about Santa on the roof and, you know, there's a mouse and all of these other things. I'm talking about the real Christmas story with Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2. It says, at the night, or I'm sorry, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. She laid him in a manger because there was no lodging. There was no room for them available in the inn. Now, oftentimes, that's the portion of the Christmas story we read. What a sweet little story. Young couple. They travel to the ancient home of the father's ancestry. They go to lodging, and, and we find out that they're in the manger, but they have the baby there, and they wrap him tightly in strips of cloth, and they lay him in a manger. What a beautiful, beautiful story. But we miss the chaos that was happening in and around that occurrence. You see, Jesus gave up everything for you and for me to become our sacrifice so that we could have everlasting life. But what happened before and after the birth and the angelic choir? Well, let's take a look. Look what it says in Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to figure out what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever, for his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now let's move back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. We talked about that a little bit last week. So he decided to break the engagement off quietly. 
As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now we go back to Luke chapter 2. And it says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flock of sheep. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news, which will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, if you stop and think about it, stress and chaos is nothing new. It's nothing new to the Christmas season. It's nothing new to life. The events surrounding the very first Christmas were filled with a state of disorder and, quite honestly, confusion. Angels start showing up, scaring the living daylights out of people. Mary is pregnant out of wedlock. Joseph, Mary's husband-to-be, wants to break off the marriage. Joseph is then told that Mary is carrying the Son of God, and it is up to him to care for the Christ child. Joseph, along with every other head of the household, is compelled to return to their ancient home, the place of their birth, for the census. So Joseph finds himself on the road to Bethlehem with his wife, that is, some translations say, obviously pregnant. No rest stops, no restaurants, no comforts, 
perhaps riding on a donkey. I doubt very seriously that Mary, obviously pregnant, I I doubt very seriously that she was in a good mood when they arrived in Bethlehem. And when they get there, Joseph goes to get them a room. He didn't get an Airbnb ahead of time. He didn't go on VRBO or a timeshare account of some sort. But he gets to Bethlehem, and there's no place for them to rest their heads. So they find themselves in a barn. And that's where the baby is born. After the child is born, shepherds show up. Chaos with that. And I look at this story and I realize what they experienced there is much like we experience now. So today as we look at the chaos that stole Christmas, I want to preface it by sharing with you three sources of the chaos in our lives. Number one is this. There's a lack of time. I literally heard my wife say this week, I wish I had more hours in my day. Have you ever wished that you could have more hours in your day? There seems to be more work than there is time. There's more to do than the time that you have. The problem with this source of stress is that there's not a single one of us in this room, there's not a single one of us watching online today that can add a single moment to our lives. Every one of us have 24 hours a day. That's 1,440 minutes or 86,400 seconds. That's all you get. Nothing more, nothing less. The same today as you'll have tomorrow, 24 hours a day. The question that we have to ask ourselves is what are we doing to steer the wheel of life? What are we doing to get us from point A to point B, from B to C? What are we doing to bring ourselves in alignment with what God has for us? For some of us today, Your day simply runs in chaos mode from sun up to sundown. No order, no moment to breathe. We continuously fill our calendar. We add more and more on our plate. We attempt to be everything to everyone. But at the end of the day, all that is left is a frustrated, exhausted, overtired, weary person that is not really as productive as they'd hoped to be. Perhaps we should cry the cry that the psalmist made in Psalm 31. He says this, But I am trusting the Lord, saying, You are my God. My future is in your hands. In other words, saying, God, by myself, in my own attempt, in my own efforts, Lord, I can't do this on my own. But Lord, I make myself available to you. My future, my life is in your hands. There's not a single one of us that can add a moment 
to our day. Oh, there are some of us in the room today, there are some of us that are watching online that we burn the candle at both ends. Come on, anybody like that? But here's the problem. When we get to the end of the wax, rather than taking a breath to breathe, we call out, can somebody give me more wax? But did you know that we weren't created to function like that? Even in the creation of the world, God took the time to rest. He talks about the Sabbath, and I I wish I had more time today to really break down this idea of a Sabbath, but what I understand is each one of us need to take a moment to breathe. Perhaps your Sabbath is a Sunday, but perhaps your Sabbath is another day of the week. Are you taking the time just to breathe? Are you taking the time to allow God to refresh and renew your life? We weren't created to run on full motion 24-7. See, one of the sources of our chaos and stress is we find there's a lack of time. The second is this, there's a lack of money. Come on, anybody experiencing that? Tis the season to be broke. (laughs) According to the American Institute of Stress, the number two cause of stress in life is money. More arguments happen in the household about money than anything else. There just doesn't seem to be enough. It just doesn't seem to go far enough. If I could just have a little bit more, there's always something else to pay for. There's always something else to buy. There's always something else that somebody needs. Everything in our lives takes that green stuff. There's a song out there that simply says, money makes the world go round. See, oftentimes our chaos and our stress, it occurs because there's a lack of money. The third source is this, an overflow of personal emotion. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say today that emotion is bad. We were created with emotions. We all have emotions. There's moments when we're happy. There's moments when we're sad. There's moments when we're joyful. There's moments when we're down. It's the cycle of life. It's how we function. We have these emotions, but sometimes around this most wonderful time of the year, we have a myriad of different emotions rushing through our lives. It could be a conflict with a family member or the past painful memories that begins to resurface. But here's the problem. Too many times Christmas becomes a bother rather than a blessing. It's simply full of headaches instead of a hallelujah, all because we lose focus on why we celebrate. But we got to remember that even though the Grinch was able to steal the things of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas could not be stolen. And here's what I mean by that. God is always with you. God will never fail you. In fact, the Bible says he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, but he will go before you, planning the path and the road before you. I'm gonna challenge you during this Christmas season 
Would you lean toward God? Would you trust in God today? Would you allow God to to fill you with all that he has rather than that which the world tries putting in you? So we know our sources of chaos, but I'm going to give you a couple steps to overcome the chaos in life. Are you ready for them? Number one is this. Remember, you can't do everything. Everybody do this. Isn't that a relief? You can't do everything. Those of you that are watching online today, would you post in the chat, I can't do everything. Look at those around you. Look at your neighbor today and tell them, I can't do everything. What I'm talking about here is setting realistic expectations for yourself and for those around you. Come on. Some of you don't set real expectations for yourself. And as I began to look at this in the Christmas preparation time, I couldn't help but think of when Jesus was visiting a couple of friends of his, Mary and Martha. Now, Mary, this is not the mother of Jesus. These are the sisters of Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus? Lazarus is the man that was in the tomb, and Jesus said, remove the stone. Lazarus come out, and Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb in his grave clothes, had been dead for a while. The Bible said he stinks. Come on, he was beginning to decompose, yet God breathed life into him. And here Jesus is sitting amongst Mary and Martha. Martha wanted to make sure that everything was perfect. She was the first Martha Stewart. She was making sure that everything in the house was just right, that the meal was prepared just right, that the house was clean, that everything was set in motion, everything was running smoothly, no hiccups, everything was perfect. But truth be told, these were unrealistic expectations. I wonder, how often do you do that in your life? How often do you set unrealistic expectations? Look what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way in Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Come on, have you ever had that thought before? It's just not fair. I'm putting in all the hard work. I'm the one that's scheduling this. I'm the one that's preparing this. I'm the one that makes sure everything is in motion, everything is working, and you're sitting over there like a stump or a knot on a log. It's just not fair. I love what what Martha says next. She says, tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said, my dear Martha, You're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. 
and it will not be taken away from her. In Martha's mind, everything had to be just right. Martha set unrealistic expectations for herself, and she was attempting to move those expectations not only on herself, but onto those around her. Jesus said there's only one thing worth being concerned about. It wasn't the roast beast. It wasn't the perfect Pinterest desserts. It wasn't even the great deal found on Amazon.com. It was focusing on and remaining in the presence of the Lord. Come on, that's what Jesus said was vitally important. Here Mary is sitting at his feet, taking in every word that he spoke. He says, Martha, you're concerned about so many unnecessary things. It's causing chaos. It's causing stress. It's causing issues in your life. Mary has figured out the most important thing in this moment. And it won't be taken away from her. One translation says Martha was distracted by all the preparations she had to make. Sounds a lot like our lives today. We get distracted by what we consider the many necessary things. But the problem is they cause us to lose sight and miss the points of the moment. By focusing on those things of lesser importance, we miss that which is most important in that moment. And I love what Jesus says in verse 42. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. Now, look at this for a second, though. The things that Martha was concerned about, the food preparation, the big meal, the cleanliness of the house, all the preparations for the party, these weren't bad things. We all like good food, yes? We all like clean houses, yes? These weren't bad things but they weren't the most important in the moment. Remember, you can't do everything. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. Come on, we would love to say that, right? I can do what I want. I'm a big boy now. Let me do what I want to do. I'm allowed to do anything. It's my right. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Perhaps all the preparations that you have planned for this Christmas season, perhaps they are good, but are they necessary? The things, the thing about Martha's predicament is that no one had assigned these duties to her. She was the one that 
decided or determined that they had to be done. That's the terminology that was used here. Which says, my dear, let's see. Doesn't it seem unfair that my sister sits here while I do all the work, tell her to come and help me? All these things that she thought had to be done. If she had too much to do, it was not simply because her sister Mary was not helping. It wasn't the fact that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Perhaps it's because the plans were too elaborate. The plans were too unrealistic. I want to give you just a few chaos eliminators in life. Number one is this. You cannot please everyone. Come on. You cannot please everyone. I was told one time, if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a pastor, sell ice cream. And then I realized there's a lot of choices in ice cream, so that's not going to work. You can't please everyone. Somebody's going to be disappointed with something that you do or something that you don't do. You can't please everybody. You can't do everything. Well, I didn't get an amen on that one. (laughs) You can't do everything. Number three, you cannot be everywhere. I haven't figured out how to be more than one place at one time. So this is the final one. This is what I think is going to help you. It's okay to say no. Come on. Come on. Those of you watching online, put that in the chat real quick, could you? Just put, it's okay to say no. Look at your neighbor today and say, it's okay to say no. And I promise you this, when you say no, you're going to make somebody unhappy. You're not going to do something that somebody thinks you need to do, and you're not going to be someplace that somebody thinks you need to be. But it's okay because you can't please everybody. You can't do everything. You can't be everywhere, and it's okay to say no. The second step to eliminating chaos in life is this. Remember the real reason for Christmas. I love the sign that we have out here beside the building As you drive down 65, it says, remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. If you look at the Christmas story, many of those involved took the time to pursue the real reason for Christmas. The shepherds, they knew why they were celebrating. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, began to share with them what was happening in Bethlehem. Then the heavenly host, the vast armies of heaven, broke out in choir, singing of the greatness of God. But here they are. They're minding their own business. They're tending their sheep, and everything breaks loose. For the first time in centuries, the glory of the Lord returned to earth. So what did the shepherds do? Luke chapter 2 shares with us that they ran with urgency. One translation says they went with haste to find this baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. 
So what happens when we realize that Jesus is the reason for Christmas? Well, number one, with Jesus, our hope was born. There's a song out there that we've sung for years, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The price that Jesus paid on the cross changed everything for you and for me. What Jesus did for us was a game changer. It took us, you and I, from death to life, from hopelessness to hope restored. Verse 11 of Luke 2 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight, today, in this moment in Bethlehem, the city of David. Without the birth of Jesus, our lives could not, could not have had the change that they needed. He is our hope for tomorrow. He is our reason for existence. Jesus is the peace in the midst of chaos. The Bible says that his peace surpasses our ability to comprehend. But I love what it says in Philippians chapter 4. It says, don't worry about anything. Pastor, how do I do that? Keep reading. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Worry can't add a moment to your life, the Bible says. But pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Come on, it doesn't say you live for Christ. There's a difference here. I live in. That means I allow myself to, myself to step into the presence of who God is. I allow myself to commune on a regular basis, on a daily basis. The cry of my heart recently on an almost daily basis is, Lord, less of me, more of you. Lord, let the steps that I take Lord, let people see you, not me. Let the words that I speak, Lord, because I'm walking in you, I'm speaking in you, I'm living in you. Let the words that I speak and the breath that I take honor and glorify you. But Paul reminds us that worry and strife in the midst of the chaos of life, it won't solve the issue. But prayer and complete dependence upon God is the key that unlocks the door to the peace that God has for you. Next, with Jesus, our victory was given. Come on. There's some of you in the house today, you battle on a regular basis. It's one struggle after another. But the Bible says the battle's not ours. Come on, that would have been a great place to say amen. The battle is not ours. The victory is ours. How do I know this? But look at this. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Okay, I'll read it here. 
But thank God. Come on, say thank God. But thank God. He gives us what? Come on, he gives us what? He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the victory that we need. Jesus is ready today to hand deliver peace and victory to you. Look at the third thing that occurs. With Jesus, our lives are complete. With Jesus, our lives are complete. I can't tell you how many times when I'm meeting with young couples, oh, they're in, they're in love. And we're doing premarital counseling. And, and oftentimes the man says this more often than the girl, she just completes me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Do you want to know what completes you? Now, don't get me wrong. I love my wife. But she doesn't complete me. I was whole because of the price that Jesus paid. She compliments me. She helps me. We walk together in unison. The two become one. But she didn't complete me. God completed me. Come on, look what it says. When you come to Jesus, that fullness comes together for you. One translation says you are complete through the union with Christ. He's the one that takes us from empty to full, from miserable to joyful, from death to life. So I wonder today, what are you allowing to be your focus? What are you allowing to infiltrate itself into your life this Christmas season? For some of you, it's been unrealistic expectations. For some of you, it's been overdoing trying to be all things to all people. For some of you, you're running on go 24-7. And I'm going to challenge you today. Would you rest in the Lord? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, they that rest, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. We rest in the Lord. We rely upon the Lord. He begins to renew in us the strength that we need. This Christmas season, as we are bombarded by chaos, noise, and stress, would you turn your focus to Jesus? The shepherds ran with haste. Why? Because they were waiting to find the long-awaited Messiah. The one that they knew would change their lives for eternity. Jesus is here. He is waiting for you, standing at the door of your heart, saying, will you allow me to come in? Would you pray with me today? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you. 